listening to one person's trash is our treasure. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your other host, Jen. We're a podcast where we talk about underappreciated and underrepresented media, including romance novels and other. (laughs) (laughs) This episode is brought to you by technical difficulties, particularly that weird echoey tinny sound. You're going to hear throughout this episode. Mm-hmm. We're real sorry about that. But, but there's not much you can do about it in post. <laughs> yeah. But hopefully, as you can, fingers crossed, hear from our intro right now, we have fixed it. Yep. It will not be in the next episode. Yeah. This is our first episode of the year. It is. Happy New Year, Jen. Happy New Year, Rachel. What are your New Year's resolutions? Uh, Well, they're mostly podcast-based. Because <laughs> you, you made us write them out. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't do the resolution thing. I think it's great, but what are yours? I want to write two more books. Two? I want to write two books. <laughs> I'm ambitious, Jen. Which ones? Which ones? You don't get to know on this podcast. Wow. <laughs> Tell me later. <laughs> anyway. So in this episode, we are going to be discussing Daddy Long Legs. And Daddy Long Legs. Not spiders. No. No. No spiders involved. Mm-mm. It's a book. And a musical. The musical is based on the book. There was also a movie, but don't worry about it. Yeah. (laughs) The novel Daddy Long Legs was written in 1912 by Gene Webster. It's an epistolary novel. And the musical is a 2015 musical. I really, really love the musical so much. We both really love the the music and um, we really love the book. So we thought that we would compare them talk about their similarities and their differences and what we liked about both. And what we didn't like about both. what we thought worked. The reason I wanted to talk about this book and its musical adaptation were because uh, nobody's heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this is a classic novel, but it kind of um, just fell out of fashion, I guess you could say. Not a lot of people have heard of it and not a lot of people have read it, even Mm -hmm. though I find it one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. It's really great. It's a really quick read as well. And as for the musical, it wasn't uh, done on Broadway. It was done off Broadway, but amazing. And it got some attention when they made history by being the first musical to live stream a performance for free on the internet, which I think is super rock and roll. Um, And I watched it when it was live streamed and it was amazing and I fell in love with it and I told Rachel about it and but when the production was up, um, it was kind of in the midst of, like, Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, hey, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on our Twitter, at Optiot. That's O-P-T-I-O-T. You can also find us on our Instagram, at OptiotPod. And introducing <laughs> our Tumblr, Optiot, O-P-T-I-O-T, once again. Yeah, Optiot.tumblr.com. And also, as always, on our website, one person's trash is our Please come talk to us. Yeah. We don't have any other friends. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the show. <laughs> so, today we're going to do a cross analysis of Daddy Longlegs, the 1912 novel by Gene Webster, and the 2015 off Broadway musical written by John Caird. And with music and lyrics by Paul Gordon, starring Megan McGuinness and Adam Halpin. The novel is actually an epistolary novel. 
meaning that it's written in all letters, Mm -hmm. that the main character, Jerusha, writes to her mysterious benefactor, whom she has nicknamed Daddy Longlegs, Mm -hmm. whereas the musical is a two-person production Mm -hmm. where there's literally just two actors. Yeah, just pretty much like reading letters and singing songs. Yeah, surprisingly watchable though. Oh yeah, you know you, you might not you might not think so, but this story and I think in particular the source material mm-hmm. lends itself really well. I do too. I think it's a really engaging story, and I think that Jerusha is a super engaging character, mm-hmm. and especially you know in terms of watchability, like that actress Megan McGinnis. Mm-hmm. is a literal angel from literal heaven. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, literally nothing about spiders in this book or musical, no, if no. you're concerned about that. It's also not a kinky thing. No, 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 Though no. you could make a case. <laughs> you could. <laughs> <laughs> Jen and I both have the entire musical score memorized. Because <laughs> it's really, really it's good. so gorgeous and, like, joyful. I mean, you can pretty much even get the story through just listening to the cast album. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was your first yeah. exposure to the to the story. Yeah. The way I first found out about Daddy Long Legs, the musical, I'm a really big Broadway fan, and I heard about this show that was doing this never-before-done thing. They were going to live stream an off-Broadway performance for free, and they were going to be the first ones to ever do it. And I had never heard anything about the show before, but I thought that just the thing they were doing was so cool, and I love theater so much, I was going to watch it, and I was probably going to love it no matter what. But I wasn't expecting to love it as much as I do. I feel like it's a really special story, and I feel like it's a really special musical. I really love the musical and the way that they adapted the story, which I didn't realize it was an adaptation at first. I also immediately realized that it was right up Rachel's alley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I told her about it pretty much immediately. What Jen told me that really engaged me is that it's a story about a girl who is an orphan. Her name is Jerusha Abbott, and she's the oldest orphan at the John Greer Orphanage home. And she's very smart, but she's very unhappy with her situation. And she gets informed that there is a patron of the orphanage who read one of her essays from school and decided that she's worth sending to college. Mm -hmm. And his only conditions are that she has to write him regular letters to kind of practice her writing. Mm -hmm. But that he will not respond in any way or give a shit about the letters she's writing. Yeah, and she doesn't even know his name. He just says that his name is Mr. Smith. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, she actually gets a glimpse of him right before learning this news as he's leaving the home. Mm -hmm. And all she sees is the silhouetted figure of a man as he's leaving. And the silhouette that she sees looks like a daddy long legs to her. So that is all she knows of his appearance, that he's incredibly tall. Mm -hmm. So And she assumes that he is very old. Yeah, she has a very particular idea of all the trustees Mm -hmm. who give donations to this home. Mm -hmm. And in her opinion, they're all fat, old, lazy, mean people, you know, rich, rich assholes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she just kind of assumes that he is sort of like them, you know, Mm -hmm. and that he's an old man. He is not. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's we can spoil that. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's not exactly like it was going to be a surprise to anyone reading that book. Right. Or or especially if you see the musical. Yeah. So what ends up happening is he actually starts to 
fall in love with her after receiving all of these vibrant, clever letters from her that are so full of personality and Mm -hmm. so funny and so charming. Mm -hmm. And the story from there is kind of about how their relationship progresses and how Jerusha progresses throughout her four years of college and just kind of growing into an adult woman. Mm -hmm. So when Jen told me about the story, I was obviously like, yes, please. (laughs) Yeah, it checks a couple of your boxes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So much so that I actually did research on it. (laughs) Yeah. Knowing that I would probably never get to see this show. But the musical lives on because they live streamed it and they just they have it recorded. And there's this streaming service called Broadway HD. And so we decided we were going to do an episode about it because we both love the show so much. And Rachel went in search of the actual book. And when we decided we were going to do an episode about it, I signed up for Broadway HD just so we could watch the musical. (laughs) I mean, it was... I think it's worth it worth for, it. you know, the price. Because it's not like it's super expensive. No, it's not it's that just, bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we if you're, like, at all interested, we really um, recommend the cast album. We really recommend watching the musical if you can, if that's something that you want to do. We mm-hmm. really recommend checking out the book. It's a really short read. Yeah, it's a really quick read, and it's an easy read, mm-hmm. and it's delightful. And, and the audiobook is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you could probably read it in a week's worth of commutes. It's totally readable. And there are lots of um, charming illustrations right. that are allegedly made by Jerusha as she's like sending letters to Mr. Smith. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, when I found out it was a book, I was instantly like, yes, please. <laughs> and um, I fell in love with this story. Mm-hmm. I absolutely can't get enough of it. I've reread it several times over, both in audio form and the actual book itself. I've listened to the cast recording a million times over. I am utterly in love with Daddy Long Legs. It's one of my favorite books of all time. You know, it's one of the rare five-star ratings Mm -hmm. (laughs) on my Goodreads shelves. There were a lot of critics when this book came out who referred to it as an anti-feminist fairy tale. Mm -hmm. I did read that. And I could not disagree more. Yeah. I think it's definitely got some fairy tale qualities to it, but I don't think that that makes it anti-feminist at all. I mean, it's a little bit of a Cinderella-y... Totally. You know, but the two aren't necessarily mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. What's so fascinating about this book and the time period that it takes place in is that it was happening in the midst of first wave feminism. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, this book came out and takes place before women had the right to vote. And it's actually a pretty major theme of the book. Yeah. Well, yeah. And the the I mean, I know the the book less well than I know the, the musical. Mm-hmm. But there are lines I remember in the book about it, and there are definitely lines in the musical about mm-hmm. like you know, I think I'll become a feminist, and like mm-hmm. you know, when 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 women finally get our rights, you men are gonna have to work pretty hard to keep yours. Or something yeah. Like that. <laughs> I've become, in large part because of this book, I've become really fascinated with stories about women during this time period. It is really interesting to think about how, like, these women in this limbo period who, like, were on the brink of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that what happened is in the 19th century, it kind of became a thing where women were expected to be highly educated. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And after a century of that, the result was women being like, so, hey, um, can we vote? Yeah, like, this is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you have a century of women being taught multiple languages and art and painting and music and philosophy and mm -hmm. you know just like women were expected to go to finishing school i'm fascinated by the idea that men expected women to go to finishing school because they wanted educated smart women to marry mm -hmm. you know like in a way that's definitely pretty regressive mm -hmm. for modern standards but also that shows progress that men wanted educated wives yeah you know um and it resulted in <laughs> <laughs> in women being, being like, like okay um <laughs> yeah time for us to have the right to vote <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. so the reason we wanted to talk about this is because as jen mentioned we watched the musical and we both read the book mm -hmm. and while they are surprisingly similar like oh so like so many lines from the musical are taken directly from the book literally the first line in the book is the first line in the musical yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I mean like well and you you warned me about it when mm -hmm. i when i was up going to listen to the audiobook rachel <laughs> rachel was like you're gonna be surprised by like how many times the like the lines in the lyrics were lifted from the book and I, so i was like prepared for it i believed you mm -hmm. but i wasn't prepared for it yeah <laughs> it was a trip they definitely respected and did a service to yeah. the source material. Which I love. I feel like it's a really good adaptation. I feel it like, is. You know, it it expands on the source material without yes. without like stepping on it. Yeah, they they updated certain things that needed updated, mm -hmm. <laughs> updating. Yo. But that being said, they are not without their differences. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things about the book that I like better, and there are certain things about the musical that I like better. Mm -hmm. And we should talk about them now. We should. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of a spoiler warning we need, because we already kind of told you. If you were going to read the book, it wasn't going to be a spoiler. Like, you you were going to see it coming a mile away. Well, in fairness, I was going to ask you, you knew when you went, when you read the book. Mm -hmm. And I knew when I read the book. So I don't know that we have the best barometers for, like, how easy it is to see coming. I remember feeling like there weren't that many hints. Really? Because the first time I read it, I remember thinking that it was really obvious. Oh, you know, and and what because because I didn't going in, I didn't realize it was it was going to be a surprise because mm -hmm. that's the thing. All I knew was that it was a book and that I found an audio recording of it. Right. So when I went into it, I was like, "Oh, this is this is an epistolary novel." Oh, really? Yeah, like I didn't realize it. Oh. So, which is a fascinating way to do this you know like yeah. epistolary novels are nothing were nothing new at this time in fact epistolary novels were more common initially like dracula phantom of the opera frankenstein those are all epistolary novels mm. you know which i don't know if a lot of people know yeah um, i knew frankenstein was but i've yeah. never read phantom or dracula interesting epistolary novels are were really common but i didn't realize that this was one so i think it was a good choice for this narrative mm -hmm. not necessarily because it, it was any sort of like surprise i really don't think it's surprising yeah I don't to think find it out. needs to be surprising. I just... Yeah, I don't think it needs to either. I think like, it's... we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think it's still a fantastic story. Mm -hmm. Even if you know that Master Jervie, 
the guy that she ends up falling in love with turns out to be her patron whom she has nicknamed Daddy Longlegs. Yeah, I think the fact that it's an epistolary novel, it keeps the focus on her. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like that's like definitely the way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. The musical pretty much keeps the epistolary format, which is like interesting that they're able to do that mm-hmm. and have it be such like a vibrant show. But you do Jervis Daddy Longlegs, his name is his real name is um Jervis Pendleton. Like, you, he is there from the beginning, pretty much, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that necessarily takes away from the character of Jerusha in the musical, but I do think it's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, you only get Jerusha's perspective mm-hmm. in the book. Mm-hmm. The first chapter, the prologue, is the only chapter of the book that is not entirely just a letter mm-hmm. that she is writing to her daddy Longlegs. Right. And we touched upon this in our Harlots episode. But one of the things that, yeah, (laughs) regular old finger sucking was the name of the episode, (laughs) episode two, if you're interested. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I found so engaging about the book is that it's pretty much entirely just Jerusha's daily life as she learns to navigate the exciting new world of being a college student. And... I had a really great college experience and, you know, there's there's kind of this carefreeness that you feel in college and real life is so much less carefree <laughs> and more stressful. So every time I read this book, I really get that feeling of like that college experience back and um, I really like that. <laughs> So, like, along with just getting that feeling, you get a lot about how life was in 1912. Yeah. And uh, as we say in our Harlots episode, I think that's largely in part because we have a female narrator and Jerusha doesn't skim over the details of what it's like to be hang a out girl. With her, and, yeah, to yeah. be a girl mm-hmm. in 1912 and to hang out with her friends and, mm-hmm. you know. To navigate that social kind of maze yeah that's a big thing because she wasn't in an orphanage for most of her life and so there's a lot about her like learning to socialize with other girls her age Mm -hmm. i really love the detail Mm -hmm. in the book where she had never read little women and you know all the girls in this college with her are like what's your favorite part of little women or whatever and and she's never read it Mm -hmm. so she has to go read little women Mm -hmm. and that like hits me in the feels you know Mm. because little women you know i don't know if you've ever seen the movie we should watch it it's really good i think i saw it once when i was very young (laughs) yeah i was actually in a production in college of little women yeah, I was in we we did the opera Little Women, which is a beautiful show with beautiful music. Really, really difficult music. But um <laughs> I was just like a background character basically. Sure, but yeah. I feel a very, very strong connection to that show mm-hmm. or to that story and to Joe, the character. Mm-hmm. And and it's such an American tale too, you know? Yeah. I, I was saying this earlier. Um, how I have a soft spot for stories about women in this time period. Little Women takes place in the 1960s. It starts off taking place during the Civil War, but it takes place in the North, so it's not like the way Gone with the Wind is. But they do talk about it and like the economic effects of it and everything. And mm-hmm. uh, anyway, that book kind of set off this genre that developed of like college girls. 
Interesting. Yeah, because it's Little Women is all about Joe deciding she doesn't want to be some rich, foppish, prissy boy's wife, and she wants to go (laughs) be a writer instead, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's all about her, like, going out on her own and becoming an adult and figuring out who she is, you know? Mm -hmm. There was a whole genre about this, about women becoming adults and what that meant at this point in time when women were highly educated and yet didn't have the right to vote. Mm-hmm. So there's issues of like working and how how they're going to make an income and what it's going to be like to just be a wife and learn how to keep a house, which, you know, back then, if you are a middle class woman, housekeeping was a tough business. Mm-hmm. Housewives were not lazy. Mm-hmm. You know, they worked really hard. So that was a skill that women were expected to learn. And Jerusha mentions that in both the book and the musical, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I actually, when I was listening to the audiobook, because I, I saw the musical like way before we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was listening to the audiobook, I thought of what, what you said during our Harlots episode about like slice of life kind of storytelling, but slice of life during times that were actually like really important in history like this is a really important time in history for women's suffrage Mm -hmm. and i thought about that while i was listening to the audiobook and and your like obsession with it i think my favorite like little detail that had to do with that was um at one point her and the girls in the dorm bake brownies or something they make fudge oh yeah yeah and i just i don't know why it was so like inconsequential that i was like so charmed by it i don't know i just like that's that's a detail that stood out to me too you know just when you read books about time periods like this you don't get those details yeah you know like i love that stuff i would love it if jane austen or george Eliot just included details about how they did their hair Mm -hmm. or something you know like i maybe some people would find that boring but i eat it up (laughs) you know it really makes you feel like you're there with jerusha you know like you're you're experiencing this with her Mm -hmm. you know and that i think is part of what makes this such a good read it makes it feel really special and And intimate you know yeah 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 definitely so we should um talk about jervis now (laughs) oh jervis he's your problematic fave he's my problematic fave I think Jervis is a really interesting character. Props to Adam Halpin, by the way. If if you listen to the cast album, it is not Adam Halpin. It is a man named Paul Alexander Nolan, who has a beautiful voice. The, The show Daddy Long Legs, its incubation period was a really long time. That's not uncommon for theater. But, you know, when you're trying to get a new show made and produced and, like, up, it can be really hard. And, you know, you go to many different cities to, like, try out the material and change it and whatever. And you go through several different, you know, actors while that happens. Megan McGinnis was in the show pretty much from the beginning. And I think she performed Daddy Long Legs hundreds of times before it ever made it to New York. And also in like 13 different cities. Adam Halpin, who was Jervis when they did the show Off-Broadway, is her real-life husband. Mm -hmm. Which I think is so sweet. Paul Alexander Nolan was obviously Jervis before Adam Halpin. uh, So that's why he's on the cast album. But he left the show, I think, to say yes to a different role. 
And I think, I don't remember the particulars of it, but I, I think they didn't have a lot of time to find a replacement. And Adam Halpin, being Megan McGinnis's husband, kind of knew the role, like, mm-hmm. really well. And so he stepped in and ended up being Jervis off-Broadway. I think that's super interesting. And he does a great job. His voice isn't as, like, classic as the other guy. Jervis is an interesting character, and he, in a certain light, he could be unlikable. Mm-hmm. But I think that Adam Halpin does a really good job of making him charming and endearing mm-hmm. uh, so that you can, like, overlook some of the shitty things he does. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the shitty things he does. <laughs> a lot of the stuff that Jervis does that is, like, just has to do with the fact that he has information that Jerusha doesn't. Yes. And he uses it. Yes. Like, that's, like, the big sticking point. It's, like... Mm-hmm. and. You know, I appreciate in the musical, because you get Jervis's point of view, he does express guilt over it. Oh, yeah. He knows it's, like, he's like, I mean, is this okay? Like, it isn't. Mm -hmm. But it is. It's fine. Like, he talks himself into it. Yep. For example, Jerusha writes to Daddy Longlegs saying, oh, I love this book. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. So when Jervis meets her as Jervis, Mm -hmm. he has prepared. Yeah like a discussion to have with her about this book and she is totally enamored by it not that he's like lying well i mean not that this is a conversation that they wouldn't have had otherwise it's Mm -hmm. just that he was like oh i know what we should talk about exactly (laughs) also when jerusha writes to daddy Longlegs about how she wants to go stay for the summer with her best friend sally whose older brother clearly has a crush on her (laughs) and who in the book at least it seems like she might have a crush on as well yeah Jervis has his secretary write to Jerusha saying... Who in the musical is himself. Yeah. (laughs) And the secretary says to Jerusha, nah, you can't stay with Sally for the summer. Mm -hmm. Doesn't say why. Mm -hmm. And Jerusha gets pissed. She's furious. And in the musical, you really see Jervis's jealousy Mm -hmm. when when Jerusha (laughs) talks about Jimmy... Sally's older brother, her best friend's older brother. Oh, it's so funny. It's actually, it's really funny, but also really problematic. It's so problematic. Because, (laughs) and especially if you take into context the time period, Mm -hmm. um, after he says no, Jerusha begs. And she's like, oh, you know, it's not going to be a problem. Plus, Sally's mom says she'll teach me about housekeeping, which I really need to know. How else am I ever going to learn this? Mm-hmm. Which is a good argument. Yeah, I was she's thinking an, that when you were talking about it earlier. Yeah, like, she's an orphan who's never had a mother to teach her how to run a household. If she yeah. has any chance of being a prospective wife to a middle-class man, which a woman of her status needs to be, otherwise yeah. she'll be working in a factory for the rest of her life. Mm-hmm. She really needs to know how to keep house. And he's kind of denying her this, which is not good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you Just know? because of his jealousy. Exactly. In some ways, he does things that are just not okay. It's so hard because I love him. But it's like, if I really think about it, it bothers me. Jerusha has no idea. Mm -hmm. She's completely in the dark. She thinks she's writing to this old guy who she thinks of as a father figure, kind of. Daddy Longlegs. And she calls him Daddy, like for short, but also, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, and I... I actually didn't even remember mean when that. I said that I could make an argument that this is kinky. No, I'm I, totally kidding. I didn't. <laughs> no, I actually think about that a lot. When I watched it for the first time, I was like, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but 
No, I didn't even mean it that way. I mean, like, that she she thinks of him as, like, a father figure, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and anytime I start to feel weird about that, I do rem- remember the fact that, like, she did fall in love with Jervis. She did. She did. And that that's why she forgives him at the end is because, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So Jerusha meets this young man mm-hmm. who is the uncle of one of her classmates mm-hmm. and she falls in love with him. But he is her daddy long legs. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know that. Right. But he, he does. It. He does. He knows. <laughs> and in the book, it's a surprise until the ending it's not i don't think it's surprising i guess we'll never know but the musical reveals this outright though yeah because the musical actually gives you jervis's perspective throughout Mm -hmm. this whole thing like you get um monologues and songs songs from (laughs) jervis's perspective Mm -hmm. so that is a huge difference from the book because you really get a lot more of Jervis. Yeah. You really have to pick apart Jervis's personality from Jerusha's perspective of him and what she chooses to tell Daddy Longlegs. In the novel. In the novel, yeah. sorry. As well as if you know that Daddy Longlegs is Jervis, some of his behaviors, such as like the things that he tells her to do through his secretary, mm-hmm. also give you insights into his personality. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of pick those apart yourself yeah which i find a really interesting process and a really uh unique way to kind of develop a character definitely but it also leaves you open to more interpretation Mm -hmm. which i think is part of the reason why the musical went in the direction they did with him Mm -hmm. because in the book when jerusha is told about the fact that she is going to be sent to college by a generous patron, Mrs. Lippett, the person who's running the orphanage, tells her that this patron has only, in the past, sponsored boys. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like girls. Yeah. I think that that is just Mrs. Lippett's interpretation of him because of the fact that he only sponsored boys. Mm. I had always believed the reason that Jervis was only sponsoring boys was because he is a young man in his late 20s early 30s and it would be somewhat inappropriate for him to be sponsoring young women interesting and that's why when he finally does agree to sponsor jerusha he has this no contact rule Mm -hmm. because he thinks this is kind of you know crossing a dangerous line here i'm a young man she's a young woman this is all your interpretation this is all my interpretation but i would back it up with the fact that jervis is a pretty hardcore feminist yeah. in that he vehemently supports mm-hmm. the suffrage movement. I mean, no, I, I I think that your interpretation is, like, really interesting, and I'm inclined to agree with it just because I love Jervis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And anything that's like, well, no, no, he he did it because of this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But, um... Maybe, like, the current climate just makes me so jumpy, but it's, it's like, those dudes who are, like, I'm a feminist, but, like, they're not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm not saying that Jervis is like that, just, it's, at least in this day and age, a guy saying he's a staunch feminist doesn't necessarily mean either. Yeah. I mean, I have more reasons. I'm sure. I could back yeah. it up. But I think we should talk about the musical's interpretation of Jervis's yes. hatred of girls now. Yes. Yeah, they take a much more straightforward approach. Um, I wouldn't say straightforward. I think it's a little contradictory, actually. Yes, but I mean straightforward interpretation-wise. Like, when Mrs. Lippett tells Jerusha, 
he doesn't like girls, then they were just like, man, Jervis doesn't like girls. Which I don't think it's impossible for him to have that contradictory kind of conflicting thing to be a feminist, but also to be like, ugh, girls, am I right? Mm -hmm. But I do like your interpretation more. (laughs) (laughs) So in the musical, he actually has like an entire song Mm -hmm. where he kind of hates on girls a little yeah. for, for being so curious. Boys never question their patron's appearance. They never <laughs> consider such gross interference. Because Jerusha... less trouble in my estimation. <laughs> because Jerusha sends him a letter. She sends him many letters, yeah. actually, asking what he looks like because she wants to know... She specifically just... wants to know whether or not he's bald. Yeah, because as we said, she thinks he's an old man. Yeah. Which upsets Jervis in the musical. It doesn't upset him so much as like he... I think it upsets him because I think he is charmed by her and wants her to think of him in a certain way begrudgingly. Well, I think that later, like in the in the beginning, when it, like when he first the the song that we're talking about is um she thinks I'm old. Mm-hmm. And in that song, I get that he's like a little at least in the musical, maybe I mean like the not the cast recording, but in the musical, uh, I think Adam Halpin plays it a little bit like he's like this is funny. Um yeah, that's that's true. In the cast recording, it's different. Yeah, a little bit. I think Paul Alexander Nolan's Jervis might have been a little more ornery, mm-hmm. which is why I really, really like Adam Adam Halpin's portrayal. But you're right in that, like, once he starts realizing, like, I might be a little interested. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sings this entire song about how, like, girls are so annoying because she wants to know what I look like. A boy would never care, you know? And, like, I don't care what she looks like. Yeah, and, like, I... After reading the book and then hearing that song again, I was like, that doesn't seem right to me. And I was excited to watch the musical because I wanted to see if it would change my perspective of how the musical Jervis was compared to my interpretation of the book Jervis. And it kind of just reinforced my feelings that... His character is a little, like, confused as far as the way he was written, because I don't think Jervis from the book hates girls at all. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't get that sense from him. I don't get the sense that he dislikes girls. You don't get that sense from his absence. <laughs> no, from from what Jerusha no, just... describes of him and the way he acts around her. Mm-hmm. I think that the musical, part of the reason I think they took that direction is because they I needed conflict? No. Oh. I think part of the reason why is that the context of the broader socialist themes from the book mm-hmm. might not have carried super well into modern day society. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> because in 1912, socialism was extremely controversial. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jervis is like a hardcore socialist. Mm -hmm. And one of the big themes of the book is Jerusha teaching Jervis how to be a real socialist and not just like an academic socialist who, you know, just hands off money and and, and says through his words, you know, like, we should be giving to the poor and taking care of the poor. And she shows him Mm -hmm. what it really means to be socialist and that it's actually about, like, caring about these people that you're throwing money at, you know? Yeah. And so I think that his sometimes douchey behavior towards Jerusha, (laughs) I, I see how that could be interpreted as him maybe being a little like, well, I'm the man, you do what I say. I see it more as, well, I'm the one giving you money, 
so you do what I say. Hmm. Rather than, like, you know, him being a gross guy. And this is where it's interesting because you read the book first. I saw the musical first. Mm -hmm. So you read the book and you had an interpretation of the character Jervis. I watched the musical and, like, that informed Mm -hmm. the character Jervis for me. So, like, when I was reading the book, I didn't, like, get what you got. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I had the character already in my head. I don't... Like I said, I think I want to make excuses for Jervis all day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But also, like, uh, like I could argue that as far as the feminist thing, like, being a feminist with his words, but then, like, not... Yeah, I mean, like, it, it He's not a be. real feminist, you know? Um, I It could be. Yeah, I, I, I do... I definitely see where you're coming from. I feel like the fact that he hates girls so much in the musical is somewhat charming because, I, I mean, Mr. Girl Hater is such a good song. Mm-hmm. But, um... But it is, like, a little bit of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. You know how earlier you said that the original guy who played Jervis mm-hmm. was a little more ornery? Mm-hmm. So I like that, actually. <laughs> and I think Jervis from the book is very ornery. Yeah, I because, think so, too. Because the way Jerusha describes... His orders? <laughs> not his orders. Like, when Jerusha meets with Jervis mm. and, like, they talk, she she goes on about how he, like, goes off on rants. Oh, about <laughs> About, like, socialism and, like, women's suffrage. And the musical takes, like, more of a gentle approach to his personality. Softly eccentric. Yeah. <laughs> in his way. Because... <laughs> You know, there are a lot of interesting details about Jervis that Jerusha gives us about how his family interprets him. There was one line that made me lose my shit Mm -hmm. where Julia, Jervis's niece, is telling Jerusha about how their family is like very like ashamed of the fact that he's a socialist because like it's so controversial but at least he's not one of those socialists who doesn't cut his hair and oh yeah dresses <laughs> dresses like a hobo you know like yeah. <laughs> because he is super eccentric you know like for the time period yeah and he's he's very outspoken he's ornery you know mm-hmm. and i actually really like that about him i think it's interesting and I think he's kind of a grouch and I mm-hmm. like that like that has always been my interpretation so as much as I did like Jervis from the musical and I thought he was very charming and he was kind of a surprise yeah there were me. there were times when he would do things and we would like crack up <laughs> yeah like it was it was a surprise for me to see because for so long in my head Jervis has been this grouchy like well, yeah I don't like her yeah yeah you yeah. know like <laughs> which I, th- I think can be cute but it's not like I, I can dig it don't mm-hmm. get me wrong I can dig it but like you know you're very like you I mean, Mr. Darcy for you is like, <laughs> yeah, you know, so like I see that mm-hmm. and I see that from the book. Definitely. It's another like thing of like the musical informing my perception of the character of Jervis. Like mm-hmm. if I had read the book first, I don't, Jervis would not be my problematic fave. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's so lovable in the musical and the fact that the musical takes a gentler approach to him. And and just the fact that, like, the story's still about her in the musical. They might expand upon his motives and his reactions to her, Mm -hmm. but it's still about her. But they're both on stage almost the entire time. And sometimes when she's singing the letters that she's written to him, he is in the background reading them. Mm -hmm. And I really love his reactions to reading her letters. I think they really inform his 
feelings for her. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really soft and gentle way to express that. And I really dig that. So, like, I like the gentleness of Jervis a lot in the musical. Mm-hmm. The musical is definitely more about, like, it's still about Jerusha. Mm-hmm. You know, like, she's the focus of the story. But it definitely is more of a love story. <laughs> it's it's definitely more about their developing relationship than yeah. the book. Because the book is really about Jerusha growing up growing up and graduating college mm-hmm. and just learning to become ultimately the woman she becomes becomes <laughs> yeah and then there's a love story tacked on you know you know <laughs> yeah. but like that's kind of how it is Cinderella kind of like <laughs> yeah and the musical is because you get Jervis's perspective it really is it's very romantic so like romantic. like there was a spot where Chen and I were just like <sighs> yeah. like sighing romantically yeah, like yeah. you know <laughs> was it color of your eyes no, um, wasn't that always gets me though. That that song is my favorite song from yeah. the musical. It's really good. It's my second favorite. Yeah, it's definitely more romantic than the book. Interesting that I like the book better, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. But, um, <laughs> I don't see that as a flaw in the musical at all. Mm. You know, I actually kind I of watch it again so bad. <laughs> I I really do too. You know, like I actually really like that we get Jervis's perspective because as much as I think the book is like pretty much perfect as it is you know Mm -hmm. like i don't really want jervis's perspective in the book like i do but i also think that the book is like so good on its own you know like it really is about jerusha and i think it can stay that way i don't think the book needs jervis at all but i think adaptation wise making it into a musical is like it's just gonna be one person on the stage the whole time yeah yeah (laughs) as it is it's so uncommon for there to be a musical with like only two people anyway so Mm -hmm. yeah I think that the musical did such a fine job mm-hmm. of making it about both of them while still having it focused on Jerusha's Bildungsroman. Yeah. You know, I I really, really do love the musical, you know, like mm-hmm. even even though the book is like my fave <laughs> and I like the book a little better. Yeah. I still really, really loved the musical. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. It is so good. Ugh. I really want to encourage people to watch it, but it's like, subscribe to the the streaming service for like a month. Yeah. I mean, it's only, what did you pay? Like 12 bucks? Nine. I think it's $8.99. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, It's not that bad. We've talked about this before, but Broadway needs to like fucking just start making their shows accessible. No, they do. That was a big thing that like this musical being live streamed was the first time that's ever happened. Well, being Mm -hmm. live streamed free. I don't know if it's ever happened behind a paywall and since since this musical was live streamed free broadway hd popped up and they started Mm -hmm. doing stuff they live streamed a show called she loves me that ran on broadway it was a revival with laura benanti and zachary levi and jane krakowski and uh, a guy whose name i can't remember so it, it i feel like they are trying to make it become more common but it's like the theater the broadway community is amazing but there's a lot of kind of being being set in the way of how it's always been i mean you know theater is this is this thing and it's supposed to be there's a little bit of pretentiousness Mm -hmm. tacked into it but um and and i and i like i get it i do i love going but Mm -hmm. but the the idea that 
if Broadway shows were available to people, the idea that that would take away from people wanting to go in person is ridiculous. I mean, they're the ones that tout the the fact that like you need to be there in person, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's true. I love watching recorded musicals, but it's, I love going more, mm-hmm. but you know, if, if a show isn't running anymore, like Daddy Long Legs, come on, like. <sighs> yeah, and here's the thing, even if I have to pay like $30 for a ticket to go to a movie theater and watch a live stream of a musical mm-hmm. on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Which I did. But like, I'll do that. Yeah. You know, like the Metropolitan Opera does that with yeah. Regal Cinemas. And I think that is a fantastic idea. Yeah. Because guess what? People who live miles and miles and miles and miles away from Broadway and New York City are never going to be able to go see that unless they're like specifically in the city. Yeah, I mean there there are people who maybe they don't like realize how much they would like it and they would find out about it and maybe they would go but there are also people who are like there are people who are huge Broadway fans but they live in other countries Yeah, or just other states and it's just not really feasible for them to travel all the way to the city. I mean it's a big financial commitment to go to New York City and see a Broadway show. That's huge. Like, yeah. It's not cheap. So, yeah. like, accessibility is a huge problem with Broadway. It's a Seriously. huge problem. And I think that if you could just charge people, like, $30 for a ticket to see a live stream, I think it would be huge. Yeah. You know, that's that's affordable once they've, in a while. Yeah, they've really got to get with the program. I mean, even Broadway HD, which I love the idea of. I think it's a great idea. I love the possibilities of it, and I really, I would love to stay subscribed, but with what they have up right now, it's not, I don't want to say it's not worth it, (laughs) because it's like, I really, I really would love for Broadway HD to be something really great, Mm -hmm. but as it is right now, they have a lot of old BBC Shakespeare stuff, and that's like Mm. more than half of their, like, catalog yeah they don't have a lot that's like recent they have she loves me they have uh daddy long legs they have the revival of falsettos that happened last year that's really good if you if you subscribe to broadway hd you should watch falsettos but they don't have like a like super a lot (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is a a super bummer and i should be their target audience i'm someone who loves to go who yeah you go several times a year to shows i mean if i can afford it yeah 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 (laughs) yeah and and i like who i'm we're not super close to the city <laughs> we're we're less than four hours yeah we're like we're close enough that we can make a, a day trip out of it but it's not like fun to make that commute and it's, I, it's rough yeah yeah and and screw staying in the city it's so expensive like overnight mm-hmm. but so like i should be their target audience someone who loves theater who even if i see it recorded that does not take away from my desire to go to the live performance and and, and so like i would love to stay subscribed but like i need a little something Uh you know what i mean my alarm was uh from a musical yep (laughs) (laughs) i've seen the metropolitan opera's streamings of the fathom events yeah the fathom events through regal cinemas and um it was a phenomenal experience you know i saw lucia de l'amour tickets are pricier than it's not even $30 I think it was like 20 mm-hmm. for you know the opera but you know if you go once in a while it's still cheaper than theater tickets yeah and it's something that you don't 
get to do otherwise. Yeah, like tickets aren't cheap. Yeah. I mean, neither are Broadway tickets. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, like it's it's pricey. Mm-hmm. And not that I'm complaining about the price of live performance tickets. Like live performances are a different medium than a movie. Yeah, you know, you can't expect to pay twelve dollars and see a yeah, musical. Yeah, yeah, sure. You just can't. There's one last thing I want to talk about, and it's kind of related to Jervis being problematic. The reveal, her forgiveness, and the ultimate resolution of this, like, conflict and plot and everything, Mm -hmm. they're kind of different from the musical in the book. Remind me what happens in the book. She gets She gets furious when she finds out because he, like, reveals it, and then he gets so sick that he almost dies. Right. And she gets scared and realizes that she forgives him do you feel like that's a cop-out because i actually one thing that i like better about the musical than the book is her forgiveness of him interesting because it's less it feels like less of a cop-out talk about that more for me (laughs) because i remember watching not that i prefer the 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 book's resolution resolution anyway but i remember watching the musical for the first time and she she walks into the room sees jervis he's like it's me (laughs) and she's like ah yeah and he she kind of like sits down and processes it while he sings at her and then she forgives him (laughs) i mean she she like they kind of have like a little bit of an argument but Mm -hmm. and i understand you know it's a musical and time wise yeah like running time wise um but i remember being a little bit like she's just gonna forgive him (laughs) well we also have to keep in mind the fact that um jervis had proposed to her before this happens before the reveal that's true and she wanted so desperately to say yes but she says no because she's thinking jervis pendleton doesn't know that i yeah yeah this man who is one of who is a part of one of the richest families in new york city doesn't know that I grew up in an orphanage. Yeah, and that the only reason I was educated is because a kind old gentleman decided mm-hmm. to send me away to college. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that to him. I can't have yeah. him marry, you know, an yeah. orphan. Which, of course, he knows all of that. Right. Because he is the kind old gentleman. <laughs> Which is like, like, okay, now I get to be the one with an angel on my shoulder and a devil on my shoulder because there's a part of me that goes, oh, well, he knows, Jerusha. I mean, like upset that he he has this information mm-hmm. that she doesn't know that he has like oh jervis then the devil on my shoulder is like oh but jerusha he already knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is like oh but you know it is such a romantic musical it's really romantic that it is kind of like oh but he loves you and accepts you anyway <laughs> exactly i know so the reason I like the musicals ending more mm-hmm. is because she actually has to confront her inner thoughts and ultimately forgive him. You know what? You're right. She has that moment where she actually has to consider it. And in the book, I feel like she doesn't actually get that. I feel like she's kind of forced into forgiving him by the fact that she's terrified that he's going to die and she's going to lose him so you know like it could be the only instance of the fact that it's an episcopalary novel working against it because mm -hmm. we don't get to read her like hashing out her thoughts and feelings about it yeah definitely Hmm. I totally agree. Because in the musical, actually, they um, break the epistolary format. Yeah, because they're speaking to each other, finally. Yeah. And um, the, the book does not. The last chapter is a letter from Jerusha to Jervis explaining the resolution where she 
forgives him and says, oh, by the way, I'm going to be Mrs. Jerusha Pendleton soon, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. But, like... <laughs> <laughs> Same. Like, I ship them hard. Yeah. But, you know, also, I, I kind of remember being like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you really just... Did you really get the opportunity to really think over whether or not you forgive him? Or were you just like, oh, God, you almost died. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I almost lost you forever. Of course I forgive you. That It just seemed like a little bit of a cop-out to me. That's really interesting. I think I agree with you. And the reason I'm saying it like that is because I think this is another instance of the musical having informed my mm-hmm. perception of the characters and the way the story unfolds. Because, like, when I read it i was like oh yeah she's pissed but she loves him you know what i mean mm-hmm. like there isn't that context in the actual text of the novel and like i remember when when i realized that she was like pissed at him for it and like wasn't speaking to him and stuff like i was like oh refreshing because mm-hmm. i because i did like when i watched the musical for the first time i was taken aback a little bit that it was so like and resolution yeah um, <laughs> but you're right without the context of the musical, she wouldn't have that, like, expression of thoughts and feelings about the situation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't care for that. You're right. It's a little, like, like, she, like, there's potential for her to regret that decision later. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, not that I think she will, you know, because no. obviously they're going to live happily ever after. He's never going to invest they're in the stock so market. He's never going to invest in the stock market. They will be completely untouched by the Great Depression, and they'll just live happily ever after, rich, and in New York City forever and, and ever. And write the uh, triumphant first novel the great literati have seen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this music is so good, though. The music is really good. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I think if you check out anything, the, you know, the book, the audiobook, the um, musical, the cast album, I encourage the cast album, just because it's like, so good <laughs> in the book I, yeah the, I the book highly, is really good too. you know listen to or listen or read both you know yeah. well you can't read the cast off well, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean <laughs> just check it all out so hey that was our episode I hope you liked it there's more where that came from <laughs> we've got great plans for this year we do have great plans for this year yeah so I really hope that if you haven't already checked out the Daddy Long Legs novel, we've inspired you to do so. Mm-hmm. Once again, it's a really quick read, and it's also in the public domain, so you can actually download it for free if you have an e-reader of any kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we also hope that we've inspired you to check out at least the music from the musical. It's really beautiful. They're a great complement to one another. Yeah, they are. Hey, and and if you've if you've listened. Thanks so much. Yeah. Because we really appreciate you listening. We do. So thanks. We appreciate each of our listeners. Each All one two. of them. <laughs> <laughs> if you were listening and you were like, man, I need more of this, then you should tune in for our next episode, which is going to be about the Geek and Sundry series, Critical Role. It's a web series. Where they play Dungeons and Dragons. And it's just a bunch of voice actors who get together and commit to <laughs> to their characters and, and play Dungeons and Dragons. And it turns out you can actually uh, have a story come out of that. Hell yeah, it's real good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm making Rachel watch it and we're going to talk about it. So get ready for that. Until then, you can find us on our social media. Yeah. 
Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Optiot. That's O-P-T-I-O-T. And on Instagram at OptiotPod. And as we said in our intro, introducing our new Tumblr, Optiot. Optiot.tumblr.com. You can also find us on our website, One Person's Trash is Our Treasure.com. <laughs> That's all for now. Hope everybody had a really happy new year. Yeah, and a great holiday season. Literally, okay. This is going to be really, really hard because I'm just going to want to sing everything after you say it. Yeah, Jen and I both have the entire musical score memorized. memorized. (laughs) That was a great noise you just made. (laughs) Wah! Now that I'm, my back is to the mirror, you would end up just looking at yourself a ton. No, it's, I'm not vain. It's just. (laughs) Sure you're not. I just look like a monster and it bothers me. Jen, we said we'd have a comfy PJ day. Yeah. I look like a bridge troll just as much as you. (laughs) I like how you're wearing my Snuggie as if it were a robe. It's cold. I know it's cold. Are you still recording? Yeah. (laughs) I have to make a You've Got Mail reference. I wanted it to be you. And we will keep this in because that was, well, no. Well, I'm editing it, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, like, just a general warning. If you are a feminist woman who writes Bildungsroman novels about women, don't have a child when you're middle-aged. You will die. Jesus. (laughs) Charlotte Bronte, Jean Webster, like, this is a trend. Oof. (laughs) You've Got Mail is 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 not um, a direct adaptation, but I do think it's interesting that there are, like, some similarities. Yeah, I've actually never seen that movie, but I know the general. You've never seen You've Got Mail? No. And her ultimate forgival and the resolution. Forgival? Her... <laughs> New word! If you've ever struggled to sing Let It Go... Don't worry about it, because yeah. nobody can. Nobody except for Adina Menzel and maybe Megan McGinnis could sing that song. Yeah. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> nobody, honestly, nobody should be singing that song because it will ruin your voice. Yeah, especially not if you're like, once again, no one but singers gives a shit. Yeah. But especially if you are like a preteen, don't sing that song. <laughs> honestly... <sighs> But, like, your voice is really, really uh, fragile Fragile. when you're that young. Like, especially at that point when it's, like, developing. Yeah. Don't sing that song. Literally every time I see, like, a viral video of, like, a little kid singing and it's like, oh, listen to how good and grown up they sound. And I'm like, no, no, Oh, my God. I know. Like, that little boy who sings um, the Queen of the Night aria. I'm like... No! The Queen of the Night aria is like, is a level 10,000 singer song. And even then, like, please sing responsibly. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that music, the music is written, like, this is a huge problem on Broadway. I'm looking at you, Heathers. We'll talk about you more during our Legally Blonde episode, Heathers. I will come for you. (laughs) Okay. I will get hate for it. Yeah, um, just I want to take a quick moment to give props to Ariana Grande for yeah. not for not belting high notes. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not telling young women that they need to be not using their head voice and just using their chest voice. There is such a... Oh, God. It's a problem. It's a serious problem. And again, on Broadway, like, and these people are performing eight shows a week. They're belting these crazy mm-hmm. songs that are in super high keys. They're ruining their fucking voices. We'll talk about it more in the Legally Blonde episode. Ugh. Anyway. Bye now. <laughs>